Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express is Aurelia Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics. So get on board. Listen, learn, live. Good evening and welcome to the well, the Coco Express show for Sunday, September 7, 2014. This is a special episode of Wealth Zone Radio with uh, your host, Teresa Martin. Please forgive me. I'm trying to kind of get all the words out because I'm not used to doing the, the special show. So please allow me the opportunity to switch on over to Wealth Zone Radio. This is Wealth Zone Radio, featuring Teresa R. Martin Esquire, part of the Cocoa Express Network, a show dedicated to financial literacy, generational wealth, investing, ownership, and so much more. Your journey starts right now. Well, good evening, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wealth Zone Radio. You know this is the premier venue to educate and inspire you to just go out and build generational wealth by providing you access to the leaders in various industries that's going to help you act right now. I am Attorney Teresa Martin. I'm your host on this evening, and we have the privilege and the honor to have with us Ms. Heather Robinson. Over the last seven years, Heather worked as a corporate financial planning analyst, and she actually has managed the, um, to profit, the, the profit and loss statements with over $100 million of gross sales, and she uses that knowledge and those skills as an analyst to follow and teach her passions of financial literacy, small business management, and stock market and real estate investing. This is someone we definitely want to hear from. She has me all tongue-tied. I definitely want to make sure that we just welcome her on tonight's show, and I just want you to know that at, at the core, Heather's life mission is to actually be the most perfect example of a human being for her son. And she actually defines that as being someone who is totally spiritually connected to God, who's physically fit to endure life, financially free to live life to the fullest, and has open communication of love and respect within the family and makes positive impacts on the world community. Now, why wouldn't we want someone like that to talk to us about our finances, about bookkeeping, about small business entrepreneurship, and also about that thing called mindset? So without further ado, I want to welcome on to tonight's show our special guest, Ms. Heather Robinson. Heather, are you there? I am here, and I am blessed. Oh, my God, that was such an entry. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you here because, one, you know we work together on so many different projects, and I just really wanted to bring you onto the show just so I can share you with the world. And I want you to really just delve into this thing, you know, that we talk about so much, about, you know, bookkeeping and, you know, home business and individuals, because you always say, Heather, that everyone in life has a financial statement. So let's just really get into that. So what do you, you know, how did you get into this, and why do you have such a passion for helping people in this area? 
Um, I really started, I like most people, um, my parents are West Indian, um, and neither one of my parents had any more than a grade school education. And in fact, both my parents dropped out of grade school to raise younger siblings. Um, so growing up, I always was taught, you know, go to school, get a good job, get a house, get, get all the, you know, build that foundation that way. Um, and then, I, I, so that's what I did. I went to school. I got good grades. I, I made honor roll. I, I, I doubled major in college in finance and management information systems, minor in economics. And I graduated school. And I, at the time when I graduated school, it, it was right after 9-11. And unfortunately, the, the whole 9-11 situation, a lot of the jobs that were in the financial industry left New York. And... So what that prepared me for was there is no perfect situation. So seeing that there's no perfect situation, you kind of have to figure stuff out that they don't teach you in the books. And a lot of times they teach you in school to go work for somebody else, and they don't necessarily teach you to work for yourself. And the reality is everything that you do, you when you do it for somebody else, you can technically do it for yourself in some form or fashion. Um, so once I, I'm looking at all these P&Ls, I'm managing $100 million, $100 million in, in sales, and, and then I, I realize, like, the only P&L that's not changing is my own. My expenses are still the same. My salary was still the same. The business could have was growing, and yet my salary was still the same. So I realized then that something had to change. And for me, that change was entrepreneurship. Um, growing up, I saw my father... I have older parents. Um, at the time when I was about 13, my dad was in his 60s. So when you're 60 years old and you, you, look, you work in a factory job and you, at the time he had lost his job, he had to start over. And seeing him go through that transition of trying to find some, some other employer to employ him at 62, seeing that break him down was something that changed my life forever. And instead of him letting him be a victim of his circumstances, he became an entrepreneur. And he didn't have the knowledge to do a lot of, uh, of things, but he knew that he had to provide for his family. So with him, his outlet was he decided to collect bottles off the street. And, but he didn't just take it as like, let me just collect this one bottle. He turned it into a business. He went to local clubs and owners, and he basically became their, their can recycle management company for them. They will hold the bottle for him, he will come pick them up, and he turned it into a business that provided income for our family, and to me, that was the best example of what entrepreneurship could do, and what entrepreneurship could do for the family, and what entrepreneurship can do for the future. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, basically, you, you, just, you just have, you know, the history of actually watching your father hustle. Yes, but wow. my, my dad, my dad's old school, so he doesn't call it hustle. Like he doesn't, he doesn't use that, you know, that relatively new term of hustle. Man, he a but hustler in, from the old he, school. He a hustler because that to him, hustler has a whole other connotation. But in the reality, right. Right. he right. he was he was hustling, and he 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 made me realize like if you America is a land of opportunity. So if you dream it and can conceive it. You can make it a reality, but you got to hustle, and you have to hustle 
hard to do it. But so it can't with, so be. With, so, with, so with that background, you know, is that how you became a serial entrepreneur? Is you know how did what was your businesses? What do you do? Share with the people about how you use your background and how you became the person that you are right now. You know, running Prosperity Financials, running Reprosperities, all that. Give give us some insight to that. Um. So for me, I I always had from the time I was about ten, eleven, twelve years old, I always wanted to be in like the financial world because. My father, again, he, he was the one who taught me about finances. In his own little way, he taught me about finances. He used to get paid $300 a week from his factory job, and every Thursday he would come home and we would sit on the bed and we would go through the bills that had to be paid. $100 would go to rent, $5 would go to me and my brother for, for our allowances, $50 would go to my mother for the groceries for the week, $20 would go in his pocket to buy tokens back then when there was tokens. Um, but, so that was kind of where I, my basis for understanding finances and money management. And I knew that at that time, like, that made me happy. And as I got older, you know, you go through your, your young 20s, you know, in your late 20s, you, you, you have, you see what's on TV and you kind of like, you know, feel yourself. So you kind of stray away from your foundations and you, you go into what you think you're supposed to have, keeping up the Joneses, and you kind of like lose that foundation. But I realized at the time, especially um, with 9-11 and the changes that were happening in the economy, a lot of people didn't know how basic money management. And here I was, a financial analyst, looking at P&Ls all day, and this is financial management all day long, but financial management for corporate America is totally different than financial management for, um, for the regular everyday person. For corporate America, when they miss projections or, you know, when they miss their target number or their budget number, it's like, oh, their, their stock takes a, a hit, you know, their price of the stock takes a hit in the market. But they still made money. For the regular average day person, when you don't, when you don't have money, you don't have money. <laughs> like, it's not like it's the upside to that. So a lot of times people don't understand what they need to do to basically lay the foundation for getting into other avenues such as investing in real estate, such as investing in the stock market, such as starting a business, because they never have that basic foundation. So all of my businesses play off or in some way intertwine the understanding, a basic understanding of finances and money management. And, and, and one of the things that I love what you just said, and that's how we're going to just really transition into our focus on tonight, because I want to talk about this thing called, you know, the financial projections. And we're going to talk about, you know, the need for financial statements. But, you know, for, for, for some business startups, especially, you know, self-employed and sole proprietors, they wonder why these projections are really necessary. So can you please explain why projections are important, especially if you are just a home-based you know, business owner or just a sole proprietor? Why, why are these things important for us to understand? Well, projections are basically your benchmark. Um, management, as a manager of your business, your projections is like a tool that you can use to help keep your business on track. It tells you if you're, if you're making your financial goals in a, in a way. Um, Let's say, let's say you're driving from here to Atlanta, right, and you put it in the GPS, and it tells you 
going to be X amount of miles. And you can calculate from X amount of miles that it's going to take you 12 hours to get there. And so that's basically your, your first projection. And then you're driving, you're going along, you're doing what you're supposed to do, and then you realize that maybe you're not as far along as the road as you thought you were going to be. Not having the initial benchmark of what your projection is going to be, you would never know if you're on track or not if you don't have a benchmark set. So the benchmark for the projection, it could be a budget, meaning something that's fixed in stone, or it could be a rolling projection. So like in corporate America, we would do projections every month. We would do comparisons and various analysis to see how, how was our projection versus last month? How was our projection versus next, last year? How was our projection versus our fiscal budget? So we're always comparing where we are today versus where we want to be. And as a small business owner, you need to do the same thing. You need to know, okay, this is how much money, this is how much expenses I, need, I have on a monthly basis. How much sales do I need to generate? I want to buy this new equipment or I want to purchase this new refrigerator for my property. How much sales or how much income I need to get from this property to cover the cost of that refrigerator or whatever it may be. If you don't have a projection of where you want to go, you will never get there because you have nothing to compare it to. And I love the way you just mentioned about the refrigerator because we actually, you know, we can talk about small business, we can talk about corporate America, but, you know, as I heard you and how you talked about, you know, the projections and then you put it into, you know, I love the Atlanta, you know, example. That, that, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, but, you know, and then you talked about the budget. And now, you know, we can use projections in our own individual lives, in our, in our homes. So I like the way you actually, you know, really brought that home because, you know, projections, we need to know, you know, how, where do we want to go, where are we, and what do we need to actually get there, how much income we need to actually pay off that bill, what do we need to do to get that bottom line to zero. So I really think that that is, you know, a great um, lead in to our next topic that I want you to really address because I don't understand it. You know, that's why, you know, the bookkeeping, the accounting, you know, I leave it to the professionals um, like yourself. So tell us about this, you know, the financial statements because, again, business people always wonder about what kinds of financial statements do they really need, you know, for the daily operations of their company. So I want you to really talk about, you know, two types of statements that every business owner actually should know and should understand. So what are those things? Um, there's two, there's three types of financial statements, three main financial statements, the balance sheet, um, the income statement, also known as the property and loss statement, and the statement of cash flow. The two main ones that every business owner should focus on is first the balance sheet, and basically the balance sheet tells you what you own versus what you owe. So whenever, let's say you have cash in your bank account, you technically own that cash in your bank account. But if that cash was, is in your bank account because you borrowed the money from somebody else, then you technically owe that person the cash that's in the bank account. So having that delineation between what is truly yours, truly yours as part of the business and what is technically belong to somebody else outside of the business that's what the balance sheet tells you. It tells in, in, in your balance sheet is categorized into two categories, your assets versus your liabilities and your own equity. Your assets will be your cash, your equipment, your receivables, 
Um, those are things. Anything that brings money into the business will be considered an asset. Um, on the other hand, conversely, liabilities is anything that takes money out of your your business, whether it be a line of credit, whether it be um, bills you pay on like a time basis, or let's say you have past due bills or those those kind of things. And then it's owner's equity because anything that's left over technically goes to the owners who invested into business, whether it's you yourself as a sole proprietor or whether you have investors into the business, that technically that anything that's left over goes back to those, those investors. The second statement that you need to be um, very familiar with as a business owner is the income statement, also known as the profit and loss. That tells you what you make versus what you spend. So if you are, for example, a real estate investor, right? The income that you come that comes in from your rental income, that is income on what you make. But if you have to pay the property manager, you have to buy the refrigerator, you have to buy um, you pay the utilities or, you know, pay the the garbage cleanup property, all the rest of that stuff, those are expenses that go out. So whatever's left over is technically your profit. So the difference between your income versus your expenses is your, your profit. Does that make sense? That actually that actually makes sense. And one of the things that one I can say it makes sense because I understand it. And so <laughs> I, I rarely understand too much of anything when it comes to numbers. Okay, as an attorney, pay me a third. That's all I care about. That's all I want to know, right? Um, so you know that that was very now. You did talk about the real estate investing and things of that sort. Now, just basically, you know, give me a little example for the people out there. Um, they're 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 thinking about starting a business. So all they they don't have a business right now. They don't have any startups. So therefore, how would they, you know, do their own household financial statement, if you will? What types of things, you know, would they kind of see? Because we we do know that everyone should really make sure they're doing their financial statements and making sure that they, you know, understand what's coming in and what's going out. How would you explain that to someone who's not in business? Um, so even if you're not in business, you do as an individual have your own financial statement. As a matter of fact, like I, as I always often say, everyone has at any given point multiple financial statements going on at the same time. So if you're just an individual not having a business yet, but you're thinking about starting a business, your individual financial statement will look more of like, okay, so you have your income coming in most likely from your day job. Um, and then you have your expenses that you pay out every month, which is your rent, your cell phone, your cable, um, any other utilities, your food, um, clothing expenses, insurance, all those things are expenses. Whatever left over is technically your gross profit. And that technically gross profit would then consider would flow into your balance sheet as cash into your account. So whatever's left over increases your cash number, basically. But let's say you have a lot of credit cards. So you now have a liability which you make payments on. So that also feeds into your, your bottom line number. So all, what I suggest a lot of people what I suggest people to do is just make a list of monies coming in. So if it's your job, if it's um, some sort of other dividend payments, rental income, whatever, that is your income coming in. And then make a list of all the money that you have that that you spend going on a monthly basis, as your food, those kind of things, and then subtract the difference. 
that number that you subtract, that technically is um, your cash flow, your ending cash flow, your profit, basically, from doing your business, from doing your, your normal, your, I guess it's your bottom line as a, as a person, that number that's left over. Then I suggest that you make a list of, of all the people that you owe, whether it's credit cards, whether it's your auntie, whether it's whoever it is. So then you can figure out what your net worth is, and then you know where you're starting from. One of the things that I, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, 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 you know, normally I would interject, right? You know, so, so <laughs> a lot of people know that I'm, you know, I'm always interjecting something. But one of the things that I really like about this conversation, and, and, and you know that I say this all the time, it's really hard to make, you know, finances engaging. I always deem it, how do you make finances sexy? How do you make, you know, um, just financial freedom, you know, um, just something that someone wants and not really just a tagline on someone's Facebook page. You know what I mean? So what, I want, what, what I'm hearing, you know, is that everything that we do, just like you just mentioned, you have a financial statement. We have multiple financial statements. And what I like is when you talked about the budget, you know, when we talked about projections, you know, I also like the fact that, you know, you're really telling people what they need to, what they need to do to really just take, you know, an account you know, and hold themselves accountable because just because you have checks in your checkbook doesn't mean you have money in the bank, right? Exactly. Um, and, and so that's some of the things that, you know, is, is really, you know, um, important for people to understand. So I really, you know, I really love, you know, well, you, you know I love finances. You know I love talking about this stuff. But, you know, I like having someone on the line with me that I can actually engage with. You know? um, but, but one of the things that um, we need to talk about, and this is the real talk that we're getting ready to get into now, Heather, and this is something that people don't want to really, you know, touch on. Let's talk about one of your topics that you speak about when you do workshops and seminars and you're coaching people, you know, about their finances. Let's deal in this taboo subject called money mastery or mindset mastery. What exactly is that and how does one develop that? Um, mindset mastery is the foundation of getting started. Um, and I say that is because before, when you make the decision to do something, whether it's something in business, something in your personal life, something in whatever it is, once you make the decision, that decision needs fertile ground to thrive. And that fertile ground lies in between your ears. So during the course of an individual's life, everyone's life is different, granted. So everyone's approach to mindset mastery will be different. But what mindset mastery tries to achieve is allowing your mind to have free reign to do whatever it is that you want to do. Because we as individuals have to overcome a lot of things, whether it's upbringing, you know, you may not have come from the best neighborhood, or you may not have went to the best school, or you may not have the best friends or family because 
when you make a decision to be like a lone, kind of like a lone wolf and say, okay, this is what I want to do, and you may be the only person in your immediate circle that is doing that, you have to combat not only but the naysayers or the lack of knowledge, but the biggest conflict you will have is within yourself. To know that you are worth whatever is decision you decided to take, to know that you can achieve whatever decision you decide to take, and to know that you are capable of it. So mindset mastery is overcoming that constant battle that occurs from within. And how do you know? And and now you know people on the line. They may you know say, oh, this is one of those little fluffy you know um, type <laughs> of topics. You know, oh yeah, kumbaya. You know, we think it, we we be it, we achieve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you don't know my bills. You know, you don't know my struggle. You don't know what I gotta deal with. You know, you don't know that husband I'm with. You don't know. You know, these kids getting on my nerves. How Ooh. do I you know <laughs> overcome the realities? of what I'm going through and then training my mind to think about things that I can do and not focusing on my neg- my negativity that's around me, you know, if you will. Because like you said, you know, upbringing is a, is a big part of that, right? We some, some of us grew up, money is the root of all evil, and, you know, you know rich people are cheap and, you know, all mm-hmm. kinds of, you know, negative things that we've actually heard about, you know, and we, we're still overcoming that kind of stuff. But how do you mm-hmm. actually develop that? How do you train your mind? to just put out that negative stuff and not deal, you know, with what I'm currently going through and focusing on where I'm trying to get to, if, if, if that makes sense. How do we get there? I, I got you. Um, like I said, everyone's path is, is, path is different. For me, I, I do three key things. Um, the first thing I do is visualize. Um, I, I close my eyes, and whatever it is I'm trying to achieve, I, I focus on it. I focus intently on it. Um, even if it's just a few minutes a day or, you know, just spending quality time with myself and asking myself the questions to really formulate a picture of what it is that I want. When I decided I wanted to be the most perfect example for my son, and that took time for me to formulate what it is that I wanted to do to be the most, what what did perfect mean to me? And with me, perfect, with, through my visualization, I realized it's those five things that I want to focus on. I want to focus on faith. I want to focus on fitness. I want to focus on finance. I want to focus on family. And I want to focus on paying it forward. But I had to take the time and be with myself and visualize what that looked like. And then I knew what I, then I, knew what I was striving for. That visualization almost became like my projection. That became my end goal as to what I'm supposed to look like. And then during the course of the process, I, I put it down on paper. You either, you know, a lot of people um, write to get the ideas out. Um, for me, I did vision boards. I made a board that has the four quadrants and it has a cross in the middle, and those are the, four, the five areas of my life that I wanted to focus on. And so even when I lose my way, as you know, because, you know, life comes in. You know, my son, he'll run around, he'll get sick, you know, Bills come, bills go, family get some nerves, just like everyone should get some nerves. Um, but then I can always go back and, 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 you know, in the course of go, walking from the bedroom to the kitchen, I see my vision board. So I know, okay, did I do what I was supposed to do that day? Um, am I on track for what I'm, what I'm planning for my future? Um, also, I constantly, I, I, I read a lot. 
I listen to audio books. I go to meetup groups. I try to stay connected to people who have the same energy that I want to create. Um, a lot of times when, when you decide to make the decision to, to step out and say, okay, I want to do something different, you're stepping out and you're by yourself. Um, and it's almost like this lone flower trying to grow in this, you know, garden full of weeds. You have to surround yourself with other flowers, with people who, who will feed you and give you the energy that you crave, the energy that you need to thrive. And, um, but that's all part of mindset mastery. It's all about creating the environment that's conducive to doing whatever it is you want to do. And, and, I, and I really appreciate what you just mentioned because, you know, one of the things that, you know, it's hard for me, um, and I'm sure some people out there, you know that right now in this world that we live in, I probably don't ever have to see people. I probably don't. <laughs> You know, I don't have to, you know, you know, other than going to court or, you know, doing, mm-hmm, doing, my, mm-hmm. doing my job job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're all behind the daggone computer, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I told my daughter, you know, uh, my granddaughter will be seven uh, this month. And it, I told her, I said, you know, Anaya will never know how to type. Because we got tablets and we we sliding and we touching mm-hmm. and you know there's no there's you know why would you need to know how to type you know I don't even think she knows what an ice tray looks like you know there's, there's, there's certain things that we're getting away from just like mm-hmm. just the human stuff so with right. that you know do we even know how to speak anymore do we know how to write a letter anymore everything is now so computerized and we're on social media that we're losing the whole socialness of uh, our social nature. Media. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're relationship type people. So when you right. talk about mindset mastery, you know, and really just getting into a room, you know, going to meetup groups as you mentioned, which is what brought me, you know, to my conversation, is that, you know, how do you even interact with people? That's one of the things that, you know, we have to really make sure that we keep close because that makes us human, okay? okay? And we need that human type touch. And so with that, you know, some of the things that, you know, um you and I spoke about before and I want to talk about this, you know, a little bit before we jump into the real estate is really what about these things actually called, you know, financial freedom, financial security, financial independence? What are they, and why do people get those things mixed up? Because we do know they're not the same thing. So can you just elaborate for our audience out there what the difference between the three is and why they should know the difference? Um, that is a very good question. Um, a lot of times when I do go to meetups, I do speak to people, especially like newbie real estate investors. Um, a lot of them, you ask them, okay, why are they doing this? And they'll tell you whether it's family, whether it's with, whether it's their children, whether it's for they just want to make a difference, whatever it is. And then I ask them, well, how much money would it take to do that? And they'll tell you some crazy numbers like, I need a million dollars, I need two million dollars, I want to build this complex of ten million dollars, or whatever the million, whatever the number is. It's always this astronomical number. And then I ask them, well, how much would you need to survive for the next 12 months? And they couldn't tell me that. So financial security is the, is the number you need to focus on before you can do anything else. You need to know what your number is that you have set aside 
making safe returns. It's like it's in a safe investment vehicle. It's making you to steady safe returns. What that number would be so that in case something happens tomorrow, you would still be okay because you had that number. You had that amount in the bank or whatever it is. I don't say put in the bank because, you know, they don't give you no interest. But you had that money working for you, giving you safe returns, what that number would be. And that number is not $100 million. That number could be as little as $30,000. That number could be $50,000. That number could be $100,000. But that's the number that you need to have set aside so that you can sleep well at night. That's financial security. Because if something goes wrong, you can tap into that money and then you can still survive and live your day-to-day life. Financial freedom is a little bit extra than that money. So if you want to take a vacation here and there, you want to go take a week off from work and go hang out with your girlfriends or your, your cousin's graduating from college across in, all the way over in California and you want to go to the graduation, that's that extra money that you have that you can play with. That's financial freedom. Financial independence is money is not an option. It's not an object. Whatever you dream, whatever you want to do, it's done because you have your money working for you, creating the money, create, giving you the stability that you need to build your $10 million business, build a building or build your school in some, you know, back home in your country or whatever. Like that's the money that you will have to do whatever it is you dream of doing. But when people forget to, when people start putting the financial independence money in front of the financial freedom money, in front of the financial security money, then that's when you, then you operate in a, in a space of fear because you know you're not financially secure when you're doing the things you're doing because then it's always going to feel, be fearful when you're doing it. And that's, a, and that's a perfect segue because as real estate investors, as a real estate coach, you know, one of the things that, you know, always come up is that, you know, people go to courses, people listen to infomercials and things of that sort, and, you know, everyone is jumping into this thing called real estate investing. You know, and one of the things I want to pose to you, now I have my opinions and I have my, you know, very stern opinions, and it's not about me. It's going to be about the financial analyst and what you um, believe um, should be or, or is the mistakes that some new investors make when they're starting out on their path of real estate investing and what things should they actually start doing before taking that jump into real estate investing. Now that we talked about financial securities, financial freedom, and financial independence, with that laid out, with that great explanation that you gave, let me know as a financial analyst, you know, uh, and, a fin- and a real estate investor, and also, you know, a, you know, a regular investor, you know, uh, what are some of the mistakes new investors make when they're starting out and what things should they focus on before getting started? Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes newbie investors make is not understanding exactly how much work is required in real estate investing. A lot of times, you know, you'll be up late, whatever, you're on, you see the infomercials, and they're like, you too can be a real estate investor. Yes, you can, but what they do not tell you is that even though there's, there's, there's low money strategies that you can use, even though there's, you know, anyone can technically be a real estate investor, 
you still need to, number one, have money that you can invest with. So even though there's, there's no money strategies, it's not no money. You know, there's, it's somebody's money needs to be in the deal. Like, it's not that it doesn't necessarily have to be your money, but you have to have access to cash or to funds to fund these real estate deals. And a lot of newbie investors don't really understand that concept. And what happens is, is they'll go and they'll, you know, spend all this money on courses or spend all this money on whatever, and at the end of the day, once you finish taking the course, you then actually have to go and do what it is that you took the course to do in the first place. So that lack of knowledge and that lack of understanding as far as understanding what they personally are working with so they don't know how much they can contribute to this new real estate business that they're doing, that's the biggest mistake that I see a lot with um, newbie investors. So, so would you say, if you had to say one thing that they should do um, to before they actually get started, is that you know trying to get a better understanding? Is that you know what would that thing be? Um, because you know there's there's infomercials always going to be on 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 TV, and people always going to be up late not being able to sleep because they were worried about their bills and all that. And of course, this sounds very good. And of course, we're going to have every single guru coming to town, and actually, you know, every real estate strategy from wholesaling to to rehabbing is going to you know lure you in. So if I'm up late and I'm really trying to make these things happen, what are some of the things that I need to know, you know, prior to me saying, yes, I'm going to give you this $1,500, $15,000, or $30,000 for this coaching program? What should I know first? Um, first, you need to do a full rundown of your own financials. You need to know what monies you currently have coming in, what monies you currently have going out. You need to know what money you have as assets. You need to know what money you owe in the form of liabilities, whether that's credit cards or family or whatever. Once you know how much you, what your financial position is prior to going into business or going to these seminars or whatever, then you can make an informed decision because you now know what you're working with. And if that number is not enough, to um, start your business venture, per se, then you need to start looking at who do you know who can, you can leverage their network or their, their financial situation so that they can be investors into your business. So, but you have to have a clear understanding of where you as an individual start before you can then seek out those who can then act as partners or investors or whatever into your venture before you even go to those real estate things or decide to sign up for the course or whatever because you need to cash has capital has to come from somewhere so it's not coming from you because you don't have it you need to know where it's going to come from got it got it and, and, and that's excellent advice and i really you know from you know i I, I just think that it's important that people really hear it from, you know, from different people and different professions because, you know, one of the things that I'm always concerned about is people expending more than they actually have, you know, with the hopes that my return on my investment is going to be there. But there is a learning curve, and, you know, and I do agree that, you know, anyone can invest in real estate, but yeah. not everyone will be profitable. 
And I think that's one of the things that people need to really take into consideration because it takes knowledge and experience, you know, or leveraging someone's knowledge and experience in order to do something successfully. So we have to model someone, and that's some of the things that we really want to make sure we focus on. So thank you so much for that. And And also winding down. Oh, don't go, go. By all means. Oh, also just just to add one thing to that too is um not only and this is separate from the financial aspect of it, but also understand what you want as a person because if you decide to take this new venture as a real estate investor or whatever, you have to understand that to be successful at it, you're going to have to work at it, and if you don't have the time or the dedication to be successful at it, then it should be not be a venture that you should take. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I want to be a real estate investor, but they really don't want to be a real estate investor. They really want to have the benefits of real estate, but they don't really want to be a real estate investor. They don't want to talk to the real estate agents. They don't want to talk to the attorneys. They don't want to talk to the property managers. They don't want to deal with the tenants, but they want the benefits of real estate. And if it's, a, if it's just the benefits of real estate that you want, then find, find a vehicle or company or whatever that gives you the benefits. Don't become a real estate investor, you see, because real estate investors, that is their business. That is an excellent, excellent, excellent point, you know, and that, that is so true because I, I, I have spoken to people, and they don't, they don't love, you know, real estate. You know, they do love the benefits that real estate can provide them, the leverage, and they can be passive in that thing, and they can find that vehicle, like you mentioned, um, a company or or, or partnerships or, you know, whatever way they can leverage that they don't have to be the day-to-day, in the day-to-day operations of that business. So that's excellent. Thank you so much for that, Heather. And, you know, I know we talked about a lot of topics from business ownership and bookkeeping to mindset to real estate, but if you were to choose the most crucial piece of advice that you want to leave our audience with this evening, what would it be? Um, I think the I think of all the things mindset matters you have to be the absolute thing to focus on. Because I know it sounds like the whole, you know, the whole kumbaya, the whole whatever. I get that. But the reality of it is is when you are when you can see and when you can visualize and taste and almost touch and it becomes a reality to you. And when you express whatever it is that you want to do, it becomes a reality to whoever you're expressing it to. That focusing on that mindset mastery creates your vision. So whenever you talk to someone that person can now see your vision from what you're telling them. And then that person can now buy into or support or promote or do whatever it is that you need for your business because they have a clear understanding of what it is you doing because you have a clear of an understanding of what you're doing for yourself. So I would say out of everything that you do, that is the most important part because even if you don't understand an aspect of your business or whatever, because you can clearly visualize and see and express what it is you need, want, and desire, the person who can do that will come to you. So focusing on the mindset mastery and focusing on what it is you're actually trying to achieve is absolutely the fundamental, most important part. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. We definitely got to bring you back on because we got to get real deep in this real estate thing because, you know, I could talk about that all, all night. Uh, but, you know, I definitely want to thank you and, 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 you know, for taking the time and, you know, just spending this, you know, quality time with us and really just focusing on, you know, some of the important keys, you know, about bookkeeping and just, you know, running business, running our individual households through our financial statements and touching upon that, mas- that mindset mastery as well as, you know, just delving a little bit, you know, into the real estate world. So I definitely want to thank you uh, for sharing your knowledge and, you know, just helping our individuals and our business listeners out there, you know, during this segment. But before we let you go, you know, I want you to share with our listeners how they can actually connect with you. Um, for bookkeeping services or bookkeeping information, you can hit me up at www.prosperityfinancials, and that's for financials with an S. Um, dot com. Um, you can connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash property fi- prosperity financials. Uh, you can send me an email at prosperityfinancials at gmail.com. Or if you're interested in my real estate aspects, you can hit me up at www.reprosperity.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, that is our time. I want to thank our wealth audience because without you, I wouldn't be here. And remember, financial freedom is a mindset, not a destination. This has been Wealth Zone Radio, and I say to you all, good night and God bless. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to Wealth Zone Radio, and join us next month for more financial talk that matters. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.